This is The Business Chat. And welcome to The Business Chat. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I'm here with Andy Smith in Rochester, Minnesota. How's it going today, Andy? Uh, Minnesota warm, which is mid-30s, so um, <laughs> doing well. They're throwing around the football and grilling today in Minnesota, guys. So Andy Smith is our guest, a seminary student turned indie theater owner, purveyor of film. Grey Duck Theater and Coffee House is the name of the business. You can visit greyducktheater.com uh, while you're listening to or watching the business chat today. Andy, thanks so much for joining and taking the time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I love, love talking about business generally and, of course, my business in particular. What kind of small business owner would I be if I didn't take that opportunity, right? Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as I was mentioning to you before we started this, uh, this meeting, that, you know, the little shtick we like here at the business chat, uh, formerly going, gone by another name that we're just kind of having a good time <laughs> about here internally, as we like, to hear, we like to hear a moment where you get to shine a little light on and give a little nudge to a local brewery, roastery, maker, beverage purveyor of sorts. So what are you drinking today? Yeah, so I do have my uh, my merch here that says, it looks like business <laughs> brew, but it says the business chat. Yeah, let's type it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am actually drinking our tea that we serve down at the theater. We use a local uh, tea vendor who have been awesome. Mandala Tea is their name. And this is a Dragon Pearl Green China Tea, which has been uh, – I should have brought one with me. But they're they're literally – they're called Dragon Pearls because they're literally <clears throat> rolled tea with the, these little tea balls that mm. are hand-rolled by uh, – like workers in china every single one and it's wow. delicious yeah. it kind of looks a little bit like pea but it is it is a delicious green tea so that's that's what i'm using mandala's uh, like i said a vendor right here in rochester minnesota so we like them a lot very nice thank you for bringing your drink you know when we were putting this format together andy we debated should should i bring a drink each time and the challenge of having to drink a craft beer at each interview um is it you know it's a such task. a hard life you it, lead yeah it is yeah it's a, and it's a it's a real hassle to have to go buy it to drink it um but we're up to the challenge and we decided with all these brave. breweries in the la so area <laughs> and guests may send them in that i will join that so without further ado i wanted to mention i am drinking common space this is cool house it's a del it's a delightful little uh, milk stout, which is actually in season for the time of year, but it's way too hot here in LA to be drinking a stout, as it's a stout eighty degrees outside. Just rub but, it um, in, yeah. Rub it in, yeah. So that is uh, that is Common Space in Hawthorne, California. You can check them out. Delicious beer. They do a lot of neat stuff. You'll notice their cans uh, out here, at least out west, when you walk by and see just some really funky artwork and some strange names, and that's kind of a thing now in craft beer, right? So. Great. So we've got drinks. Let's do the virtual cheers to move on with this uh, this talk, as it were. There you go. Thank you, sir. Great. Well, so we've got our drink. We've got our intro. Andy, again, thanks for joining. What we want to do in this series, you know, is really focus on you telling your story. Uh, in my time of both getting guests ready for this show and really before we decided to have this, uh, this podcast, this video series... There was so many different ways we could approach this from the narrative, right? What to talk about, your your vertical. Because I'm fascinated by what's happening with theaters and indie theater and film and producing mm -hmm. film. But we might be here for a month talking about all those things. <laughs> so, um, And I'm good with that, except I think like a lot of things around me might start dying. Probably no one else will be. Yeah, yeah I need to go home, you know, wife and kids. 
So today, what, what I'd love to hear from you, um, with minimal interruption for myself, um, although I will chime in with some questions, and I know a few of our audience uh, members, if I can call them that, subscri- early subscribers, are mm-hmm. very fascinated with your transition, right? So as I introduced you as the seminary student, and right now a bunch of people are going, that's me, that's me, turned indie theater owner, the floor is yours. Just, you got to take me to where you are today with the flyby, and then I'll you know interrupt you proper, so... Yeah, absolutely. So um, probably the beginning of the story is uh, my growing up year. So I grew up in the Los Angeles area, I already mentioned. And in the water, there's sort of the entertainment industry, as you know, even, you know, greater LA area, you know, someone who knows someone or you, you know, you go down to LA all the time. And especially me as someone who already loved film, uh, was in love with with that whole scene. So I've always had a great love for cinema, what it can mean, what it does, and how it builds community around ideas and visuals and art and all this sort of very interesting things. Sure. Uh, that was that was born both from where I grew up geographically, but also I always like to shout out a very specific shout out. Uh, but uh, Lord of the Rings, the movies, they uh, released an extended edition that actually took people in their special edition, like you know, special features, whatever from. Sure. Conception, pre-production, through all of the production steps of a film and post-production. I always the great example I have is they have a whole <laughs> section in this DVD about uh, color correction, which is like the most boring thing in audio video right. stuff. You know, what? Where are you on the um, red spectrum? Like they talk about that on this video, and sure. so I always say I didn't just love movies; I always loved the the movie making process and the industry around it and so uh obviously despite that love i didn't choose to do that professionally at first as you said i uh, initially thought that i was going to be involved in spiritual things and so i was studying theology for that i moved to study at a college in chicago it was right down uh downtown chicago this is important because it is at this point while i was living in the city of chicago Mm -hmm. uh in a very urban setting that I started to realize that all of these churches, because again, this was this sort of area that I was in at this point in my life, had these beautiful spaces that normally spent a ton of money on great specs, right? Both audio and visual, because that's kind of the the world we live in. You have to have that even in, um, I was going to say the spiritual industry, that's probably not a good word, in, in, <laughs> in the church space. Um, but they were only used once a week, maybe twice a week, right? Like a midweek gathering maybe and then on Sundays and so that was when I started getting into my head using these smaller spaces for something that I was really passionate about which was movies and film mm-hmm. um, at that point I thought maybe just like a like a pop-up cinema uh, that I would use as part of you know maybe a church ministry or something like that or sure. as a pastor I would just try to host those every once in a while so that was like a small idea as most business ideas, it starts kind of small out there and then sort of grows in the back of your mind for a while. True. Fast forward a little more. I graduated from college, went to uh, grad school, to, uh, seminary, as you said, to work on my master's degree. Um, did that, graduated, got my master's of divinity, and then took an internship at a church. Um, and it was during that year, again, this is too much to get into as far as the reasons behind this, but yeah. basically I decided that was not going to be my career choice, um, that I was not right. going to be professionally um, involved in churches in that way. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is the same year, so that's 2016, I believe, 
that is the same year that uh, very, another important film came along in my life, and that is La La Land, uh, which probably a lot of people know. Um, Why was almost that, so, so we can pause on that. Why was that such a polarizing film? Because it seemed as though people loved it. Or I wouldn't say hated it, but we're, we're wildly indifferent about it, because I thought that was a fantastic film myself. I think, whoa. Here's a uh, moment where you can show so- us some of your, your, your film critic prowess, because I'm genuinely yeah. curious what your take is. In 30 seconds, why was it such a, in my opinion, oh, I think that was a very seconds. divisive film from the, <laughs> the yeah, critic standpoint. I think at the, yeah, at the end of the day, I think people looked at that, and there's a certain stigma about Oscar movies. And mm-hmm. so it had some of the the telltale signs of Oscar movies, mainly being in Los Angeles about the movie about industry. LA. I got you. Uh, and um, it didn't wasn't the reason I love it. Is it, it plays with a traditional film structure and how it's filmed and how the story actually works out. Right. Um, it's not really a romance. It's not really a comedy. Uh, it's not really a musical. It kind of so you're saying I totally hear you. Yeah. So in a lot of guys, a lot of folks listening who know the movie, love the movie, or don't care, or or the most popular hated the ending. <laughs> is so what you're saying is the nostalgia and the the blueprint was what set it up to have a a bit of a Achilles heel when it came time for awards. Right. It was a bit of a of course they're going to give this movie the award, but we can't, and that's a little bit of the politics within the Oscars. I won't exactly, get into either, yeah. but yeah, sure, okay. And it's uh, Damien Chazelle is a young director. And the interesting thing also, the the other movie that won that year, Moonlight, is another one of my favorite films of all time. Sure. And that was an, by Barry Jenkins. It's an incredible film by a black man about the black experience, especially mm-hmm. as a as a gay black man. He's not a gay black man, but it's telling the story of a gay black man Correct. growing up in Miami, if you've seen Moonlight. And it's a fantastic film. And mm-hmm. so, rightly or wrongly, what a horde season does is it pits you know, pieces of art against each other. I think both of those pieces of art are fantastic. But unfortunately, (laughs) even in like the entertainment sphere, you know, in the critic sphere, people felt like they had to choose sides, uh, which I think is unfortunate. So I think it was getting flack from both sides, right? People Hmm. don't really like artistic slash like non-traditional storytelling in movies or whatever aren't going to love it. Uh, I always call that kind of my dad side of things, like <laughs> my dad who watches movies. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but, you know, they, they they like their more traditional movies. And then in the more artsy community, I think people really liked Moonlight, and so uh, they, they chose to sort of sure. go down. So I think that's why it was. Mm. Um, but th- to get back to my story. Yeah, get uh, back to why that was pivotal for you. So that film comes out. It's 2017, and? Yeah, it's interesting because this ties back in because uh, the ending I love in that movie because – I don't think I have to be nervous about spoilers. Basically, both of the main characters choose their dreams and what they want over the love they have for each other. They decide the, their love for dr- their dream is greater than the love they have for each other, and it's simply not going to work out. They're not bitter about it. It's not a. It's not like a angry breakup, but it's yeah. they choose dreams over um, whatever else they had in their life. Yeah, romantic and passions, way, and sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it 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 challenged me to ask. What are my dreams and have I gone after them with that mm. same vigor? Not in the sense of like, you know, I'm, I'm breaking up my romantic relationships in the exact same way as La La Land. But I really want ask myself after watching that film, what could I do if I was doing nothing else and what's stopping me from doing that? Right. Um, and it, that didn't happen immediately. It wasn't some storybook ending where I sat down and then I had the plan for Great Theater and Coffee House. But I, I challenged myself for what I was doing in life. Uh after that, I had sort of a pilgrim stage where I was working out a couple different jobs as I was figuring out what to do. I worked uh, as a salesman for a little while, worked as a teacher for a little while. And it was while I was working in a teacher 
as a teacher that I started formulating the plan of a small micro cinema. I came uh, in contact with that verbiage, a micro cinema, through uh, finding a guy in New Orleans who had done something similar hmm. and uh, connected with him, talked about it and started learning about the industry, how I could make this work, what it meant to be a micro cinema. And um, what I really interesting. Yeah, so maybe I should go back and say what a microcinema is. So people are used to uh, cineplexes, right? Most people probably, when you go to see a movie, you go to this a big mall, and you go to a huge parking lot, and you go and you buy your ticket, and you go sit in one of the 10 the candy's very affordable. Meals. It's usually bargain candy. Oh, wait, no, wait. Yeah, no, exactly. no, no, that's right. They murder you on that. I'm they sorry. I got, it ba- I got it backwards. Yeah. A small popcorn <laughs> and a spray of soda. Sure. Um, so that's that's how... Things have evolved, and that comes from the blockbuster culture of the 80s and on through the 2000s and a lot of money being thrown into the movie theater. I am not a huge believer in that. Um, I think it's impersonal, and I think it takes out a lot of both the sexiness of the movies but also the importance of the movies and Mm. how it builds community, how how it brings people together while they experience this artistic piece or this just fun movie together at a time. And so uh, I became involved in something called the micro cinema movement, which seeks to have one uh, a theater that is smaller, both in mm-hmm. how many people can sit in it and uh, is locally owned and more curated for the local audience that it's a part of. So generally, even in a, in a, in a megaplex, each theater will sit 200 to 500 people. And there's like 10 different cinemas normally, right? Right. Um, my theater that we opened here has one cinema, and we seat at most 66 people. So you can imagine the difference there. Sure. But the also important for the micro cinema is we love film, and so we don't want to sacrifice quality as far as audio, as far as visual, as far uh. as experience. Um, and so we still have... Um, I'm, I don't know if you can throw up pictures or whatever we're going to have in post, but people can see pictures of us on our Facebook and website. The pictures are showing right now as you're talking. That's right. Yep. Um, uh, we wanted it to feel big and feel special and feel like an event, but yeah. also to be locally owned and have those things. So I, I came in contact with the micro cinema movement. And then equally important to us was to be able to go to a community that didn't have access to independent movies for the most part. Ah. Usually independent movies only show in major, you know, top 50 markets. Actually, I should say top 20 markets, most indie films. Mm-hmm. Some even don't go further than, you know, top four. You're, you know, Chicago, uh, L.A., New York, and like sometimes Houston, sometimes, um, yeah. you know, other, San Francisco. But generally, it's going to stay in those major cities. So our goal was to find a city that had... Uh, north of 100,000 uh, residents, but also didn't have anything like an independent movie theater. Right. Again, this is a long story that I, we could get into or not get into how you want. And eventually we chose Rochester, Minnesota, which is it's about an hour and a half south of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's famous for having uh, Mayo Clinic, which gives it a very high uh, education level as far as what it is to the mean of Minnesota as well mm-hmm. as an educational level is one of the big factors for people going to independent cinema. And yet there wasn't an independent cinema down here. So again, there's a lot of different things I could go into, but it seemed like a really great place to be. And so we came down here. We also had the great fortune of meeting a, um, a real estate ownership group that had a spot that worked really, really well for us. 
And also, to be frank, they really believed in the vision. I, I sold them on the vision for this micro cinema and why it was important, why it would be good, why would it add value not only to their property but to the neighborhood yeah. that they had invested in heavily and the city, obviously, that they had been invested in heavily. Right. And um, so that's what the ultimate thing that finally pulled the trigger to actually be here in Rochester. And I'm sitting in that building uh, right now as I record this. Um, it was an oh, old Colgan water facility, um, and they had a warehouse in the back and offices up front. And so we spent, uh, I think the total at the end of everything was something around 250000 uh tenant improvement that they put mm-hmm. into this place to make it a movie theater. Both uh, rehabil- A lot of that was rehabilitating the warehouse to have uh, an HVAC system um, to be compliant with. Yeah, food. modern amenities and those things, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the front into, uh, what eventually came into a coffee house. That's kind of a different conversation. That wasn't part of our original uh, value, but <laughs> after coming in contact with some local people, we were able to make that happen. But, um, that is the very short to medium length discussion of how I got from yeah. point A to B, that transition you were talking about. So thank you. That's tremendous. So while you hydrate yourself on your lovely uh, mandala tea there, handmade every day, painstakingly, yep. yes. Um, all kidding aside, that's a tremendous narrative with the tea alone. I mean, just listen, listen to us. There's so many topics. What are we talking about right now? So one thing that I know the audience is list that's listening is curious about because, you know, what's in, what's in a name, right? So what what is Grey Duck? Pause on that for a minute. What's the name about? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so when we were thinking about what to name it, uh, we wanted to do a couple things. One, obviously, like every business, you want to sound unique. You know, both mm-hmm. in the technical side, do I want to be searchable, but also in the, um, you know, brand value, you want it to be memorable. Two, we wanted it to communicate what our vision was, which was to facilitate local community. And so we wanted to have some sort of call out to local cinema. We didn't just want to sure. be Hollywood cinemas or, you know, Whatever, throw throw it out there, you know, mm-hmm. like Casablanca Studios or something like that. We wanted it to have a, a reference, and so Grey Duck. If you're not from Minnesota, you might not know the uh, children's game that in every other state is called <laughs> Duck Duck Goose. Here, uh, because of a weird translation of um, Norwegian, which is there's a lot of Swedish and Norwegian influence here in uh, Minnesota. They call that game Duck Duck Grey Duck. And so it's it's become kind of a fun point of pride for Minnesotans to, to <laughs> It's quirky you know, too. I mean, and you know, I was that. on your website, I was looking at the brand, I was understanding some of the things that you do with the virtual cinema and without again getting into the pivots and the longer dialogue of a business owner like yourself having to ride out the storm of this pandemic we're currently in. Um it was interesting to see that no matter what it is you've got there from an online kind of virtual experience, right? The theater rental, the coffee experience, the, the, the gray of the actual website color and the gray duck brand, the merch, uh, it's, it's, it's a strong brand. I didn't know how much of that was, you know, like a black sheep thing, right? The gray duck. Is that a little bit part of that? But you just explained, right? That's a Norwegian kind of a <laughs> translation breakdown. And I love it. I love that that even is a quirk to the area. So it's hyper local, right? I mean, that's something that Name would work anywhere, but it's very Minnesota. So yeah, that's killer. Okay. Well, no, and, and I think with the other thing I wanted to circle back on is you were gracefully, but you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a rush, thank you, giving us all the details in the flyby is take me back to where you saw La La Land, something mm-hmm. about the way that they 
the two, you know, the two uh, characters in the story forsake or they give up or they decide that either option's valid, right? This isn't a love stinks movie. I've seen it. I really mm-hmm. enjoy it. And I agree with your sentiment, by the way. I think there's a lot of debate over what the director might or might not be sending. But the point with you and with your story and our, our meeting today is that for you, it really resonated. And that for mm-hmm. you, you went, I have a passion, right? Seminary, uh, faith-based career decision. And, and, and I want to understand a little more cerebrally without trying to create some narrative that's maybe not there is, do you feel that you found a bit of your, you know, this lack, you know, might sound a little cheesy, but you're, you're still preaching now, right? Like the same mm. drive you had to be very connected to and study theology, um, which I understand is complex and it's nuanced and it's debated film and the misunderstanding and the cineplex, right? Which is, I'm not saying is necessarily Andy Smith's crusade to get, well, those are mega churches and small and I'm over here doing that in the theater world. But in a way, it's a really fascinating kind of story. And of all industries you you could have bounced or pivoted to, and we've, we've heard them, you and I both, right? Of, hey, this guy was a preacher and did, you know, Preachers are good at sales, typically. Really, they are, because they're mm-hmm. good speakers. They're orators. They're writers. They're, they are sometimes in a good way, and I know a few, you know, in a good way, full of themselves. And it's awesome because there's a personality. You choose to go kind of below the layers and not just get into film as just a critic, which is your mindset. You're very, you're passionate about what's being misunderstood, the experience of film, the, the importance. I love that you highlight that. Um, yeah, the question, as I'm rambling to, to you, do you mm-hmm. feel as though you landed in a place where that same passion or that idea for being passionate in theology and in preaching, perhaps, uh, has been has arrived in a good place where you go, yeah, this is this is a calling for me. This is much more of a use of my DNA. Or do you feel like you completely were reborn? You know, what what do you feel is the difference anyway? Like, do you think there was just you kind of moving and you kept your passion, or did you have to kind of unlearn one thing and kind of grow into this other thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great question. So I, uh, it's it's a buzzword, but it really is. I think the the connecting thread here between my various career choices is I really love community organizing and making mm. communities. And at its best, I think religion um, is is building community of humans around. Uh, in that case, it's ideas and a belief structure. Right. Um, one of, one of my best friends here in Rochester is another local business owner. His name is Patrick Thiel, and he owns a coffee company, actually, the coffee roaster that um, we use here at our coffee house. Uh, he and I talk about this all the time, that there are certain things, and there are only a couple, in the world that are what we call great equalizers. And we mean by that is that all people come to them and can relate because of them. I see. For him, yeah. his main passion is coffee. That coffee does that, right? People love to drink coffee. You people go out on dates around coffee. They have all well, Bible <laughs> studies or they have, um, you know, just meetings with friends. All these things happen around coffee and sure. sort of this equalizing presence. Uh, in in England, it's, it's the pub, right? Pub actually originally is a public house because people would go there. It's beer right. and drinking, and and today brewery culture is much the same. Mm-hmm. For me, I also view movies as that equalizer. Interesting. Uh, today, I think movies are the preeminent entertainment uh, 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 experience. Right? Sometimes, you know, in the past, maybe it was symphonies. In the past, maybe it was paintings. Those still things still exist. People still love those sure. operas, all that stuff. But most people 
on the street have a favorite movie or they've gone to movies Mm -hmm. or they can talk about a movie that they really love or they can at least have the sense to go see a movie really of any genre and whether they like it or not they can appreciate certain things of it or they're ready for the medium and so it's that community build that people can have connections with learn have a fun time with laugh because of those things it's a great equalizer um the great critic roger ebert always said that films are the greatest empathy machine in the world because they force you to be in someone else's shoes and that can be for comedic purposes entertaining purposes or really important purposes i mean i think movies have had an indelible effect on things i think from politics to religion to my fashion to you know whatever other superfluous things our existence and and so i (laughs) i exactly and so i love that about movies and so i want to facilitate that so we don't just we do show films, but we also do several ways of trying to facilitate that conversation. We often have uh, Q and A's after our discussions with local nonprofits that are that are around the ideas that we are doing. Like just as a fun example, we showed a documentary about beekeeping. Um, there's this great uh, beekeeping documentary that came out last year called Honeyland about beekeepers in Turkey. Okay. Obviously, I don't have anyone beekeepers from Turkey in Rochester, Minnesota, but I do have <laughs> local beekeepers, and so they came in. Um, Uh, called the bee shed and they literally set up a little booth they sold some of their honey and then they had a q a about all that they do why they do the things that they do what it means to have pollinators um you know involved in our ecosystem and this is great you know learning moment and i know people in our community who came to that event and now they don't host bees but what they did is uh, they they planted pollinator friendly things instead of just a regular lawn, which is harmful for pollinators. So that's just like a small thing that you wouldn't think of, but has impact on the community. Um, I'll say one more example because I love talking about this. Uh, <laughs> Please go we ahead. We showed we showed a documentary. Uh, oh shoot, I'm forgetting the name of the documentary, but it's about the border wall. Um, between Texas and Mexico. I think I know and the one you're talking about. It, yeah, it's an adventure. It's basically an adventure documentary where these guys just try to follow the border, showing how difficult it is, how, how the terrain is difficult, and why this wall is is not really a, a good amount of money. Right. Um, and that it's 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 this beautiful land that should be preserved and not destroyed by man-made buildings. Anyway, things like Big Bend National Park, if you been to texas you know it's just this gorgeous uh area and so we showed that but not only did we show that we added two dollars to our normal cost of eight dollar tickets so the tickets were ten dollars and those two dollars we um we donated to raises which is a nonprofit that works with uh immigration families Mm -hmm. and their legal troubles as they're coming to the united states uh and we were able to raise three thousand dollars because of that so and, and donate that so I think film makes a big difference in people's lives, and we want to direct that and create a place for that here in Rochester. Yeah, and you and wow, that's and what you basically just said that I picked up on is events, you know. And so whether that they they are virtual, the conversation exists online for the time being. Again, while we're riding out this thing globally, um, your passion, as you just talk about it, is people getting together. Uh, you learn something new. It's educational, but I love the the core point is it's equalizing. It's it's uh, it's a centering thing to say, yeah, I'll go see a movie. I've seen a movie. F- movies just are disarming. The whole topic of a film is again, it's theatrical. It's a story. It could be based on a real narrative, right? It could be biographical. But as you said, quote, 
the great the great critic um you know it's the ultimate empathy uh machine empathy vehicle <laughs> rather so you can actually be in somebody else's shoes and and that's powerful and when you know you're talking about the pivot you made back to your career change for a moment and kind of addressing addressing our listening audience who can be anybody, honestly, but to the folk out there that are thinking through the same kind of thing, they may not be in, you know, seminary, but definitely going, you know, I, I'm also passionate about events, maybe specifically film. I know the journey that you began as you took that rather sharp pivot, although mentally, I think mm -hmm. it was leading up to this to pull out a seminary, kind of tell friends, family, I'm not doing this. They go like this, <gasps> the shock, mm -hmm. the I'm having to kind of unwind things that I wound up and now turn and face this thing of raising money, of finding a location, of building a brand, getting a website up. And I'll go further with you. It's popcorn machines. It's seats. It's a projector. There's a lot yeah. to do. Um, <laughs> each thing I just named is an episode. So without doing that, help me understand and help the listeners understand for you because I saw a lot of this as you and I were talking about this journey. And as we're showing various images now to the viewers that can see the, the, the video version of our meeting, um, what, what would you say was the most challenging? You kind of went, wow, it's happening. This really is a lot more work, you know, because there's a momentum element, there's adrenaline, and there's things that go well. But yeah. what for you was sort of a either a speed bump or just a moment of just pure exhaustion or trying to set up the physical building where you really went, this is real. And no one really gave me an, you know, no one needed to, but there wasn't a briefing that it was going to be like this hard or whatever, you know? So yeah. What was the hardship for you? Oh man, so much. Um, I will say, I mean, from if a you very could focus on one, yeah. The help yeah. people listening. That's yeah. right. I mean, I mean the first thing to uh, always recommend, and this is something that should be normalized in sort of our business culture for real <laughs> right. is that like mental health is real. Um, my whole mm. life I've never had, difficulties with stress, even in school, anything like that. Um, and I've been a small business owner now for three years. And for the first time I am on, um, some anti-stress drugs that I had to go to counseling for a little while. Cause I was getting overwhelmed with this. So, right. I mean, hmm. there's definitely going to be stress. And, uh, for me, actually, interestingly, it's not stress about particular things. It's sort of a, a background stress all the time. Sure. Um, uh, not anymore. Again, uh, you know, talk to your doctors, go to a counselor. There's help out there. Don't deal with it yourself. But for me, just the overall like tension of having all of this on on you really gets to you. But in a more specific sense, I mean, you have to be willing to uh, – I was going to say fail, but that's not – I never really failed. But I mean like <laughs> for – Eight months, I was living with my in-laws while we were waiting for renovations to be done. Like my wife and I were living, I mean, no one wants to do that. Right. Um, it was unforeseen. Construction took longer than we thought. We had a hiccup uh, with our local government here where we didn't get a permit, blah, blah, blah. That's too long to talk about yeah. the specifics there. But that sucked, you know? No one wants <laughs> to do that. Um, a global pandemic happened in our second year of business. Like there, there, no one could, you know, that's a, that's a hurdle that no one could could see coming. And I did get sure. used to writing grant requests, something I never thought I would do. Yeah. I think the biggest hurdle, and maybe getting back to your original question, I always tell people, as a small business owner, you have to be an expert in like too many fields for you to actually be an expert in. So what you got to be good at yeah. mm -hmm. is one, asking questions, 
being able to be wrong or, or being able to be ignorant, which is not something that's easy usually for people who have the personality to be small business owners. But two, you got to be able to bullshit really well, and and don't and don't be afraid of that. That's like, a technical uh, term now. That's actually been cataloged as a. That's actually a, a unit of measurement yeah, as well. How much yeah. you actually dish I, out? I mean, yeah. you just got to do stuff. <laughs> don't be don't be afraid that you're not a not an expert in real estate law or whatever. Like you're going to have to read over you know the right. lease as well as you can and make demands that make sense. Or you know you're going to have to Google search for a couple hours about. Uh, you know, legal rights for public get-togethers if you're a theater owner. You know, mm. this kind of stuff that you never really think about. Like, you're, no matter what the industry is, there's stuff that you're going to have to do that you're not an expert in. And that's okay to so be willing to ask questions, do the work. But, like, yeah. at the end of the day, sometimes you've got to bullshit. You know, and what I, well, what else I heard you say, the other thing I heard you say in there was just a teachable spirit. An attitude that says mm. every day something new is going to come and – you inherently can't have the answer. Um, we talk mm -hmm. about this in my day-to-day, -day, in, in digital marketing at the agency. I talk about this with friends. It, it's a, we're coming back, I feel like, a culture. There's some good things happening in general um, with, in business and in, in thought leadership, entrepreneur life. And that is a humility kind of spirit saying, we're going back to bringing in a consultant for that space, right? If you If you have one, if you can afford that kind of thing. That propensity more than a everything's this DIY mad dash to try to do it yourself. And your story is a DIY story um, without making it about that piece. I think a lot of what I hear that you did and I'm, I'm looking at kind of the notes, you know, before we talked and as we're listening to you now, it was Andy putting it together and all the while being, again, teachable, flexible, ready to pivot. Here we are talking in amidst a pandemic, almost at the year anniversary, if there's such a thing. I don't think you do anniversaries for these, but <laughs> we're, we're about to clock a year and Grey Duck's mm -hmm. open. You've found ways to write it out, as they say, right? Where yeah. if we, you know, in another conversation could be about the multiplex or cineplex um, model has a few weeks to ride these things out. And a lot of ways you've crafted what you've done, I think is utterly fascinating to entrepreneurs now looking at investing in folks like you, I think younger audience listening, finishing in the middle of college are thinking, I love events. I can also do this. I've curated experiences. I love film. And they're encouraged by Andy Smith's story that, yeah, you're showing the humility that stress builds up, that you need to be able to be mm -hmm. teachable. And like you said, look, look for, look for a way that you can, you know, offload the stress and be ready to deal with something that you probably have no idea about. And that, I think that mix, as you're talking, is one of the more unsung songs, right? The untold story of some, the somewhat lonely life, right, of the entrepreneur. Um, yeah. the, the, the visuals on the outside, you own a business. It's a theater. That's cool. All true. Um, you know, as we're putting up some imagery, again, of your theater in the early days, I <laughs> one that sticks with me is you made it, I think, into a publication of sorts, Andy, but I remember the image because we were in touch then. Have you making some kind of wild hair road trip to go pick up theater seats? And oh, yeah. talk to me about that vignette moment as one of the final stories as we're sort of wrapping up. Because to me, that picture of, I don't know if it was hot or cold outside, but you physically lifting those things into a U-Haul and driving across the country, that really to me separates the business owners, the visionaries, you know, from again, the skeptics and people that can read about this in a textbook. Tell us, tell everybody that story. Cause that's an interesting yeah. moment in the pivot for me as the guy watching you going, Oh my gosh, this guy's doing this. You yeah. Know? Oh, it's crazy. So there, there, um, as I said, a lot of the initial startup cost we rolled into our TI lease here at the beginning at our, at our, uh, place. 
But there are certain things of equipment that I just had to buy, um, you know, <laughs> right. with invest money. And so there the wasn't a movie theater that, chair store down the street is what you're trying to say. That's right. Yeah. Amazingly <laughs> enough, those don't exist. Um, so one of the big ones was chairs, projector and screen. Um, sure. All of those have crazy. Uh, there's some other ones, but those are the kind of the big three. All those are crazy stories about how we got them and having to figure that out. Yeah. But uh, the chairs are the best one. So I'm looking for chairs. eBay, you know, there's weird websites that have like HTML from 1990. That's like theaterseats.com. Pop-up ads. Yeah, (laughs) trying to find stuff. And eventually on eBay, I saw this ad for I think it was 120 seats of – just these gorgeous seats. uh, I'm sure you have a picture that you can show them. Um, They did not look that good at all in the pictures, but I could kind of see the possibility. They were at a uh, community center in uh, a small town in Massachusetts that I'm forgetting the name of right now, about an hour north of Boston. And they were Massachusetts. We Uh, apologize. We don't mean, we don't mean any derogatory sense at all that we forget a somewhat forgettable town. So, to, yes. ma- to mass listeners, it's, we're so it's a sorry. Small town. I should remember. <laughs> it's on the website. Oh, well. Um, but it had actually been in this community center since the 1930s, at least as far as we know, right? Cool. I can't verify that at all. But that's what yeah. the seller was 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 verifying, and the seats check out based on how they're built. Anyway, they were great. We wanted them. Bid it on them. Uh, talked to the guy. Got it done. We bought them. But – they were they were rehabbing the space and had to get rid of them by a certain date that was like three weeks from when we bought them. Mm-hmm. I, again, this is a big purchase, and so I didn't want to spend any money. So I bought a red-eye flight from the Twin Cities to Boston, rented a U-Haul at Boston International Airport. Um, so I, I fly overnight. I didn't want to pay for a hotel, so I uh, went from like 12 – until like 5 uh, a.m., got there at 5 a.m., uh, got the U-Haul, drived it north, got to the church. And when I get there, the guy had told me that a couple people were going to be there to help us load up. And apparently that was not true because it was just me and this oh, man. older man. <laughs> and there are very heavy seats crowding the, you know hundreds of chairs into – the people are probably looking at a uh, picture right now, like sky high into this 15 foot U-Haul. <laughs> yes. Close it up. And then me by myself drove it to Detroit where I have family, the closest family I have on that side of the country is in Detroit. So I, I think I made it as far as Cleveland before I like collapsed and had to sleep a couple hours in the car, like at a, you know, a rest stop and then continued on, got to Detroit. And then the next day continued and got it all the way here to Rochester and put it in the uh, the back of the theater, again with just me and I think my brother-in-law, um, who always brings up how hard that was, just the two of us, because it was real hard. Um, Is there a moment where you're telling it. yourself, I'm 24, crazy? 24-hour turnaround. Yeah, I'm insane. I'm in this U-Haul. I'm tired. Nobody's. There's no fan club applauding me, right? There's no reward at that point. What was keeping you going? Were you so driven by the vision of the theater? Was this more about you didn't even know you were just blind with the drive and the passion? Because I can relate to kind of either one, right? When you're just going through the motions, what was keeping you going at that kind of a moment? 
Yeah, so I'm, a very specific moment was that moment I mentioned in just outside of Cleveland. Yeah. Like, if you're running in a U-Haul, they're not made for you to lay out in. Like, I am, <laughs> I was, like, snaked around, like, a, you know, the shifter in the middle and then the two kind of seats that I'm trying to lay out in in some comfortable position that there's no way I could have slept except that I was exhausted. But, like you said, that drive... I remember the overall emotion I had was just the excitement that this was real oh, because that it. was the first yeah. like big purchase we had made. We were still waiting for a lot of like the improvements to take place in the area. So it didn't look real. And then I had these seats, right. Mm. That needed a lot of work, but it was real and it was real tangible. And so the, the passion has to be there for those dark moments. So that when you have those, you still have, <laughs> You know, that feeling of, yes, this is real and the excitement, even in the midst of like, you know, a, a, a you know, pretty terrible position as far as, you know, what I'm actually doing. But that's that's the memory I have and knowing that, like, this was something that was uh, I was supposed to be doing that was right. good that I was doing. I love it. And while I've got you warmed up to that, this moment cerebrally, what in a sentence, what is your advice and encouragement to maybe a younger audience, maybe not, maybe twice your age, someone looking to make a similar pivot, what would you encourage them? How would you encourage them in your own words? What would you say, whether that's technical advice, right? Go get funding from Chase Bank, (laughs) or it's a follow your dreams. But what do you feel like is the most helpful thing to throw out as hard of a question as that is to somebody looking specifically to get into, get away from one thing and go into another? But I'd say even film, because I think a lot of folks today are hearing you going, that's a model I want to do in my city, right? Which I'm sure you would be passionately, you'd be excited to hear somebody's hearing this, watching yeah. this going, you're my idol, man. That's great. And uh, yeah, I want, I want you to have a moment to speak to them if they're, if they're listening. Yeah. I'll take that little bit at the end first. Cause that's an easier thing. Cause I would <laughs> sure. have a whole discussion about the movie industry and what I believe it's going. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about movies dying. I think, kind of what I talked about before, it's the megaplex version of the movie theater that is going Mm. to die and my version of the movie theater that is going to spring up everywhere. Um, Mm. I'm not doing this for nostalgia. I'm doing this to be innovative. Um, I think the micro cinema movement is an innovation on movies, that that is how people are going to want to experience them. Um, Because I love Netflix. I love streaming services. But it isn't the same as that experience of going to the movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can talk all about that as I want, but I, that's, if someone is specifically thinking about micro cinemas or that kind of thing, uh, that's, I think the mindset is like that we are going to be the future of movies because people still will always want to go to the movies. Um, the example I always use is everyone can cook food at their own house, but there are thousands of restaurants in the world. Um, and I think the same thing is going to be true of visual entertainment. Hmm. Anyone can watch YouTube and Netflix at their house now, which is great. I actually think it's going to help that we have more smaller places that can house theaters. I think it'll expand people's horizons. Sure. So that's, I have a longer spiel on that, but that's kind of the, the little thing. You should blog on that. Idea, You'll, you can link it to our, to our site. How about that? Blog on it and I'll make sure yeah. we get it back linked. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, for a, for a broader thing, I mean, I think the, the, the most broad thing that I can say is you'll survive. Like I think I remember mm. Especially when I was thinking I wasn't going to work in the church, which I had gone to school for for six years. Um, you know, I had two degrees in, and 
I, I, for a, a second, I struggled with like this purposelessness, like, what am I going to do? And mm-hmm. I think anyone who's been doing something and is going to switch to something else is going to struggle with that. Um, but now on the other side, like, it was hard, but it's such a healthy decision. Not just that I'm doing what I'm doing now, which I like. Even if the business had, you know, failed, you know, which was very possible early on in COVID, I I, th- I still think it was the right choice. Like that's not where my passion was. That's not what I right. wanted. That, and yet you only got one shot at this whole life thing. So, um, you know, I was also a caveat. Also, like I was very privileged in the fact that I I had I had no student loans. Um, you know, a, a broad spectrum of things. I'm a white man, which makes it easier for me to get loans. Like, there's all kinds mm. of things we could talk about that help. <laughs> so I, I don't want to give the pressure of everyone needs to do, you sure. know, what they can do. Some people are, you know, where they're at, and that's okay. Um, but for those people who want to do that, like, you are able to make that change. You'll you'll mm. survive. And even if you change and it fails, I think you'll still be happy on the other side that you didn't just kind of stay <clears throat> in a rut when you felt it was a rut. So in closing, I'm going to say your Mia in the La La Land analogy was okay. the seminary, was a, a viable, um, you, heck, you'd invested, right, all that time. And everybody to the left and to the right of you, no metaphor there, um, <laughs> was very much expecting the expected thing. And the little bit of the, oh, that was felt in that movie, right? Like, oh, man, they, they missed it. You had to work through that. And you had to go through the anxiety, the stress. But at the end of that movie, I think you and I both agree, there's a, there's a grin the two characters have. Me and Sebastian look at each other, and there's a longing. There's just a rush. And actually, the, the, the director did, a, did a, I think, a marvelous job cutting to this, this very two-dimensional montage thing. And it's song and dance. And it's very mm-hmm. Humphrey Bogart. And it's very nostalgic. But it's them kind of going, that would have been... But there's still a little bit of a, it's going to be okay, kind of a, like a grin. I love the way it closes. And I don't disagree with people don't like it. And that's okay. If you want the hero to win, that's not your movie. So that's, that's your story. Here you are with a, it's okay to overgeneralize a very complex <laughs> time in your life where mm-hmm. you said, I'm going to go this way. And you're basically saying the, it'll be okay. You'll survive, hang in there with a, if you are following the true passion and true dream, like we see, you know, Sebastian and me in that story, I think the undertone, and I'm curious what your, your ultimate and in conclusion, your feedback on that point is, is if, if folks do make that hard pivot, sever, follow the dream, go through that up and down of the critics in your life, or not maybe even so much that maybe it's just your own self, I think is the worst, you know, the remorse, right. Of making the decision, making the pivot. And you're always having to let go of the fact that that was my life. I put six years, 10 years. I mean, for some people listening, Andy, and I'm meeting folks routinely that are 30 years into a career going, I think I have another passion. And how exciting Mm -hmm. to hear your story and for them to go, whether this young man, Andy Smith, is younger than me, my senior, it's an encouragement because I think you were true to yourself. I see you are smiling. You're a bright, uh, enthusiastic individual. You're passionate about film, about community. And... Yeah, I want to give you the final word here, but I really I really have to crack up. You brought up La La Land, not me. And that I think is the metaphor here is you kind of that's that was your Mia and the jazz club is your great theater, man. What do you think of that? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm stretching here maybe. So No, I don't think so. <laughs> that is uh that is exactly what I, I take from that film is that that's what could have been if they stayed together, but they both chose not to be together and, and went after their dreams and they're okay with that. And both things are good and both have some sadness in them. Um, and that's how life is. 
like, you know, I started this business, but, you know, like you, like I said, I have struggled with mental health more than I had before, or I mm. had to drive overnight from, you know, Boston <laughs> to get, there's always give and takes, sure. but I, I do think that that going after that dream is worth it. So yeah, I, I buy into the analogy. Yes. Oh, tremendous. Grayducktheater.com. Grayduck Theater is the business. Visit the website. Check them out. If you're driving and listening, yep. don't do any such thing. When you get home and you can safely visit the website, check out all that Grayduck Theater is doing. Andy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me, for taking 40-some-odd minutes out of your day. And, uh, again, thanks for uh, saluting earlier on with your business chat mug, the typo mugs. That's the... right. So a final virtual cheers to you, my friend. There we go. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me on. Uh yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're doing this, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. We will be in touch. Thanks so much, Andy. Take care.